For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dirt Talk. I'm your host, Aaron Witt, and I am very excited. And again, I say that every single episode, but but this one's a, a unique one. Um, you know, up until this point, I've had a lot of business owners on board, a lot of people that we work with. This one's different. He's a technician, arguably the best known technician out there. He's created just an unbelievable network of not just Caterpillar technicians now, but technicians across the board in the United States and all over the world. It's it's just ridiculous what he's done in, in such a short amount of time while you know being a full-time technician as well. So it, we have Quentin, better known as Caterpillar Wrenching, on the show today. Hey, Quentin. Hey, Aaron. How are we doing today? Real good. I'm real excited to have you on. I'm, I, and I'm excited. Uh, you know, you you tell a lot of your story online, but I, I still don't think a lot of people you know know what you what you do behind the scenes. So I'm excited to kind of get some of your story out there. That's awesome, man. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, not that you not that you need me to do it, but how did you get started in in the technician world? Because you're like you're just so passionate about what you do. It's just that was the most obvious thing when I when I met you in San Leandro. There is is you're just you live and breathe this stuff. How how did you end up in the career to begin with? You know what? To be honest, Aaron, in high school, I did a lot of stuff. You know, I did moving when I was a kid. My stepdad's a a manager of a moving company and he's always worked at different moving companies and stuff like this. So I've always been a real hard worker, always did household moves, office moves. We worked in San Francisco and Oakland and, you know, did all types of stuff like this, you know, did side jobs with my stepdad. And he's the one who really taught me my unique skills about hustling. We would always move houses. He would always tell me, Hey man, pick it up, pick it up. Don't walk, don't walk. We got to run. We got to hustle. We got to hustle. So um, what we did is uh, we did a lot of side jobs. We did office moves. You know, we would move all different kinds of furniture. We would like tip it over, put it up on dollies and, you know, get it out to the trucks and stuff like that. And as a young kid, it was really good money. You know, back then, you know, I would say maybe 2007, 2008, it was really good money, like 16 bucks an hour. Yeah. So as long as you worked hard, I worked with all these big Samoan guys and, you know, everybody was bigger around me. I'm actually only five, about five, four myself, but I always had a, a good strategy, how to get this big desk onto this dolly or how to do something like that, because that's just the way I was taught. And I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to back down from anything and I wasn't going to, you know, look like I couldn't do something in front of these guys especially these big guys yeah. from there, you know, I just, in high school, I did some welding and ROP 
hand, I really wanted to become a welder. I have a really close family friend, and he was a captain of an L.A. fire department. And uh, going through high school, he really wanted me to become a firefighter. And I said, and he told me, hey, uh, what, what do you want to do in life? What do you, what do you want to become? And I said, hey, to be honest, I want to become a welder. And I seen his face. He was just so disappointed in me. And I just felt so bad. But I just, I really loved it. I really loved welding. And uh, I really, I had an opportunity to do it in sophomore year and junior year. And in my senior year, they actually got rid of the welding class in ROP. So I was really fortunate enough. I had a great teacher. His name was Mr. Risotto. And uh, he was an old Italian guy. And he just sat there and he didn't care. You know, he, it took me a long time to get the gas acetylene with the copper rod and stuff like that. And that's how he taught us. You know, that's how we started. He really had patience, and he was awesome. And I never forget. I actually seen him on a construction site later on in life, and he was actually the welding inspector. It was totally cool. Me and him, man, we had a great conversation. So long story short, after getting out of high school, fortunately, I didn't go to college. I really wasn't a college person per se at that time. I wish I did now, but at that time, you know, I really just wanted to work with my hands and get after it, and you know. Um, I really just wanted to work hard and, you know, I wanted to get out there and uh, show them what I got. So I was looking through jobs. Uh, honestly, I really wanted to become union here in the San Francisco Bay Area. All the union jobs make big money, you know, $50 an hour, $60 an hour, plumbing, electrician, yeah. mechanic. You know, they all make really, good, really good money. You know, at this time, I was bumping around jobs. I actually worked at a labor, a labor ready company. And I was going from, you know, a couple companies here and there. Luckily, I was able to, uh, a company really liked me. They liked my hard work. And uh, I got picked up by a commercial construction company. This commercial construction company, they did three models for TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods, and Dollar Tree. So long story short, we had a few jobs here in the Bay Area when they picked me up from Labor Ready. And they hired me on at, I want to say it was about seventeen fifty an hour. And at that time, man, I was, I was dope coming out of a labor ready place and uh you know and i was actually working for the contractor who hired us as a labor ready so that was totally cool so from there i worked for them for a couple years the owner ended up talking me into uh doing salary and i started working for about 20 uh, i started 20 bucks an hour salary and then ended up at 25 an hour salary but then through into the equation, we had to do a lot of traveling. I did a lot of traveling, went to L.A. for a few weeks, went to New Mexico for a few months at a time. We would build these TJ, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. So I really learned a lot there that I would actually end up making it all the way back to the Bay Area. We did big, high-profile jobs in San Francisco and stuff like that. But just being there, I just I just wasn't happy. I just I just felt like I was just normal, you know, like everybody can do this construction job or, you know, everybody can do this or do this job, you know, just being a labor guy. Right. So I was tired of being a labor guy. I was, I want to be something better. So at this point, you know, I started reaching out to stopping by union, seeing what I could do, going to take tests. It was just really, honestly, it was really hard to get into a union. When you would show up at the union hall for the test, there would literally be a couple thousand guys. And I was never the best at test, you know. I just really wanted to work hard and use my hands. So at this point, I tried out for the sprinkler fitters. I tried out for the plumbers. I tried out for the carpenters. You know, none of them, honestly, none of them I got into. I didn't have any luck. 
And then I started actually the company I was working for, for salary, they asked me to do a job in Napa. And I said, yeah, no problem. I was a go-getter. I never said no. I still just say, I never say no. That's just how I work. I never say no. But this owner at this time, I'm not going to say his name, he had a friend who owned a blind camp in Napa, and he put us to stay at this blind camp in Napa. Well, when I get to this blind camp in Napa, it's about an hour away from the job site. Mm. And normally our hotels, you normally get to the hotel and the hotel is about, you know, 10 minutes to five minutes away. So now we have to drive an hour to go in the hills of Napa to this blind camp. We get up to this blind camp. I have to stay there all week long. I get to go home on Saturday. I try to call up my wife at the blind camp and I had no signal. <laughs> and I get into the room and there's no TV. Uh. And I find out blind camp they don't need anything like that it's literally just a bed up in the woods <laughs> so i so i go back to work the next day and i'm a little frustrated and i'm never the guy to show that i'm frustrated at work that's just not me at all but i'm a little frustrated i couldn't talk to my wife actually my girlfriend at this time but i couldn't talk to i couldn't talk to her i couldn't even get on the internet to serve it was literally i could just walk around outside and, you know, I love to walk around outside, but after a while, you know, you want to have some communication with some of your family. So I happen to say something to my superintendent and my superintendent happens to say something to the owner. So the, the owner, I'm kind of pissed off because I worked for salary all year long and I was working at 25 bucks an hour and he was working 60 hours a week. And I was just, honestly, I was happy to have a job. I was happy, you know, to be the DC on the job site. You know, I was happy, you know, to be the big dog there. We kind of tell guys what's going on and, and help run the show there. But at this point, he gave us, it was Christmas time, and he gave us a box of peanuts from West Virginia <laughs> for a Christmas bonus or a Christmas <laughs> present. But I'm thinking it's going to be a bonus, right? <laughs> so he, he gives me a card, and it's got a box of peanuts. And I said, oh, sweet. And he says, these are the best peanuts you'll ever, ever have, man. And I said, oh, sweet, right on. And I'm thinking there's going to be a good lump sum in this because I'm telling you, I've been to New Mexico this year. I've done all types of stuff this year for this guy. Yeah. I've been putting it out on the line, staying away from my family. And by that time, I was originally thought it was going to be 40 hours a week. Don't ever take salary. Anybody, please don't ever take salary. Because as soon as I accepted the 40 hours a week, he put me to travel and it ended up being 60 to 65. And at some point, he'll say, oh, yeah, you only work 50 hours a week, but it ended up having to be you know, three, four hours, I mean, maybe five, six hours a week just in travel to A and B or here and there. That's really unnecessary, but he just knew he had you on the leash right there. So at that point, honestly, I wasn't too happy. I told my superintendent that I wasn't too happy about the peanuts for the Christmas bonus. I and I wasn't you. too happy about the Napa stay in the blind camp where I can't even get any reception to call my wife. He called the boss and the boss called me. And then he says, hey, he called me up. He says, hey, I heard you're talking shit on the job site. Because if you got a problem, you don't need to work for me. And I, you know what? Come pick up your truck. And, you know, that fucking guy, he came up with a trailer the next day and picked up his own damn truck. It was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> he did tell me, he also did tell me, he knew that I was going to be, he knew I was a great worker, and I was going to do good wherever I went. But I think deep down inside, he just knew I had a family, I actually had a child at this point, and 
he wasn't going to be able to keep me traveling and actually keep me happy. And at that point, we just kind of separated from there. I just kind of looked for jobs. I actually started a painting job, you know, just trying to get back to work. You know, I was doing lots of commercial paintings and going up on scaffolding, you know, four or five stories, six stories high. And honestly, I did that for a couple months and, and I was just looking, I just wasn't happy with it. I was making good money. If I got to the paint, painter's union, you can make great money. But the thing is, I didn't feel it inside. I wasn't happy going to work every day. Mm. So to be honest, I did have a family friend that I reached out and I know they worked for Caterpillar for a long time. And at this point, I'm not mechanical at all. I'm more of a construction guy. I'm on the construction side. I grew up doing woodwork and carpentry, fine carpentry. You know, I would do crown molding with my uncle and kitchen cabinets. And that's kind of what I grew up on. Unfortunately, we always had newer cars. So I never, my stepdad, he's always had a newer car. So he never worked on the car much. He was always more of a big working on the house guy. He would fix everything in the house. You know, you can't have a problem in the house without him being able to fix it. But anyways, so I wasn't very mechanically inclined, but I did have a family friend and they worked at Caterpillar. And he said that, he can maybe get me in there as an entry level, as a sweeping a utility person. So later on, I kept on contacting him. I kept on contacting him. And I said, he says, we're not hiring. We're not hiring. We're not hiring. And then finally, he says, hey, there's a utility position, you know, um, apply for it. So from there, I applied for the utility position. I got to meet the service manager. Me and the service manager at that time, we really hit it off. He was really cool. He understood where I was coming from. I told the service manager I really wasn't that mechanically inclined. And he says, oh, don't worry, You're, we're going to hire you as a utility person. You'll either be sweeping or we're going to put you in the tool room. And I said, yeah, no matter what, you know, I'm going to give it 100%, 110%, wherever you put me. I'm going to try to do my best. So at this point, after it took a long time to get hired, I would say probably giving it maybe a year, I kept on asking him and kept on asking him, seeing if there was any positions open. And after a while, there was a position open and I applied for it. It's just kind of a slower process. I don't want anybody to get down when you're applying, you know, for CAT because it is a slower process. They do want to dot their I's and cross their T's and uh, they do want to make sure that you are a good worker or a good person just to start off with. To become a technician, I think a lot of people think you have to be mechanically inclined. You've had to have grown up fixing cars, but but you're basically saying, well, I didn't have any of that, and here I am a technician. Do you have to be mechanically inclined when you go apply to be a technician? Honestly, you don't. And huh. me, myself, like I said, I was not mechanically inclined. Yeah. I, have a really, I have a really funny story. We'll get to that in a little bit. So at first, I got hired in the tool room. I got in the tool room. I was so excited to get in there. There's so many different tools. I walked in this facility, and I just, man, my jaw dropped. I started seeing all of the CAD equipment just tore down to the bare frame. Multiple machines doing rebuilds and repowers, putting Tier 4 engines. You know, at this time, it was Tier 3, but putting Tier 3 engines and Tier 4 engines into an old tractor, you know, or an old drill rig, and I was just astonished, and they are just, you know, updating everything from the harnesses to the hoses to the brackets to the tanks. And, you know, we have a weld shop at Peterson, and it's half of a weld shop. And they would literally build anything that we needed in that shop in, on our tractor side. So it's half weld specialty shop and half tractor repair. And then we have a piece of that that's also the rental department in the one big building that I work in in San Leandro. It's called Main Shop. 
So at our facility, we have a BCP shop, we have a component shop, we have a big main shop that has a heavy wrench department, uh, it's got a fabrication shop in it, and the service side for the heavy equipment. And that's where I currently work at. There's a lot here that I that I want to unpack here. And another point I want to make is you didn't always know, you, you, you weren't sitting there 18 years old, like, I am going to become a technician. This is what I want to do. You found it along the way, huh? I mean, to be honest with you, Aaron, if I would have known what, honestly, being a technician was about, then I would have wanted to be one as soon as I got out of high school. Really? But I've never seen anything on it. And nobody, I mean, even my family friend, I just knew him for yeah. no idea the skill level that he had that he was doing at work. Yeah. Um, you know, I had no idea. When I first heard about it, I just said, you know, that's a good job, you know, this and that. But when I got in there, I was astonished just to know, I was amazed to know that Caterpillar did not somehow show me this before the age of 23 when I got in there. Yeah. Well, um, and the, and, the San Leandro shop too is, I mean, I've been to a lot of Caterpillar shops across the United States. That that might be my favorite. It's such a unique and special place. It's 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 in this old building. You know, really, it's it's not this modern, beautiful shop like you'd think it would be. But that's why it's so special. It's it's been there for so long, and you'll have you know D11s and people building totally custom buckets and full rebuilds. I mean, you guys do a little bit of everything there, and it's just it's a it's a really special place. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's that's where it all comes from. It all comes from Peterson. I mean, that's just. I don't know if it would have been the same at a different shop, but when I got to Peterson and I seen what was going on and I seen the machinist, man, machine, or he's doing a big, you know, D9 pivot shaft he's working on and the guy right next to him is welding a 390 bucket and the guy next to him is building a, a custom clamshell Peterson bucket. You know, yeah. it was just, it was awesome. And that's just our weld shop side. Then I would look at our, you know, our, our heavy Oh, we lost him. Now's the perfect time for an ad. Log on to buildwithjobs.com to find your career in the heavy equipment or heavy construction and mining industry. And I need to get better at ads. What we're going to do is we're going to hit the stop button and we're going to pick up once he has probably plugged his phone in. So stay tuned. We might come back or this is the end of the episode. Sorry, everybody, you guys, my temperature spiked on my phone and it shut us down real quick. <laughs> but um, I'm completely sorry about that. Kind of kind of embarrassed. This is my first time ever doing a podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so so I've seen all, all my coworkers, man, and I'm just, I'm the sleeper guy at this point. You know, I'm coming into their world. I know nothing about this. I'm not even mechanically inclined. And at this point, I got my tail between my legs. I get put in the tool room. I have a guy training me really rough around the edges. You know, he's like, hey, figure it out, man. If you don't figure it out, then I don't know what to tell you. So we so I started learning names of tools, and I started, you know, getting familiar, starting to figure out what guys are looking for, you know, seeing what I could do to help out the guys. I started, you know, looking around to see what was going on. You know, it took me a second. As I'm walking through the shop, and, you know, I'm sleeping, and I'm helping out guys, and I see what they're working on, you know, I don't want to tell them, but I am just astonished. And I'm thinking, that's a bare frame right there. Nobody does this in cars. Nobody does this in, you know, 
airplanes. Nobody does this at all. Nobody takes the engine, the transmission, the torque converter, the cab, every single hose and every single harness off and then put the brand new one back onto that frame. I've never seen anything in my life like this, Yeah, Aaron. Yeah. And at this point, I'm astonished. And I'm kind of embarrassed that I've never been very much that mechanical, you know? But I'm here to give it everything that I got. And I'm looking at these guys thinking, holy crap, these cat technicians got to be some of the best technicians in the world. And I don't know how I've never seen anything like this in my life up to this point. And I'm 23 years old. And to be honest, I kind of skipped it. But there was a point, you know, where I did go to Wild Tech for HVAC when I was younger, fresh out of high school. You know, it really got wasted. I guess, you know, the Wild Tech spoke to me. I didn't really like that Wild Tech. You know, the teachers weren't very good. They changed every other week. You know, I didn't get a good education. Unfortunately, I'm still paying that bill. And that's something I'm going to have to live with. And if I did know about Caterpillar, or if I had an idea that, you know, we could do something as crazy as some of the stuff to do at Cat. Like, as a Cat technician, you can work on a ship. You could work on a huge D11 tractor. You could work on a hospital generator, you know, making sure everybody stays alive. I mean, if you don't make sure doctor, you know, eyes and cross your T's on that gen set on top of that hospital, then then you're going to have some big problems. And that's exactly why we're the best. Caterpillar technicians are the best. I just want to touch on a few things before we go into more into the technician life. Why were you so driven in the first place? Because most, I feel like most people would have heard no once or maybe twice or three times, you know, after you couldn't get into the unions and, and, you know, Caterpillar taking a year. What was driving you? Why were you so urgent to get, get this job? To be honest is I had a family at this point and I've tried many of jobs and they were always just a job to me. It was always just going to work. It always just, Hey, you know, my buddy does this. He's a plumber. He's an electrician. And, Oh, you know, I'm a laborer. And I just, I wasn't happy with it, you know, and, and, and that's what I had in skills. I had hard work and the want and will to learn. And I think that is, you know, the most underrated thing that any company looks at, including CAT too. A lot of times CAT is just looking for numbers for technicians to get the young guys, you know, the think big guys, they, they look for the guys who are book smart. But to be honest, I think that's the most underrated thing is you have to get you have to meet the guy. You have to see his drive. You got to see what really inspires him to come to work every day. And at this point, it was my family. It was me wanting to become a man and wanting to get a great job. And that's what led me to Caterpillar. And I knew that was a great job. And once I got in, I just knew if I worked hard, once I got to Caterpillar, that maybe, even I'm, even though I'm not mechanically inclined, maybe I can move on up mm. in the company. Yeah. And you know, if they were hiring you based on just looking at statistics, it would have it would have been a no because you had no no mechanical experience, no tech experience, no caterpillar experience. You were just a young kid. I mean, you had you had no experience or, or anything. You just had to drive. It's it's pretty cool. Exactly. It, it's pretty cool to to just show people like to illustrate that point that you don't need any of that to be successful because you've been you've done very very well in a very short amount of time. And you're just getting started. I mean, you've been able to do all that without any kind of experience before. Yeah, exactly, Aaron. You really do not need any experience. It definitely helps out to know, you know, lefty-loosey 
righty tighty, a metric yeah. bolt and a standard bolt. <laughs> um, but you do not, you do not need any experience because I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't know what a metric bolt and what a standard bolt was before I started Caterpillar. How'd you learn all that? Because there's a, there's a huge learning curve. Were you intimidated when you came into the shop and there was just so much that you didn't know? And what's the training like? Is it you asking questions, being curious, trying things out on your own? What, what does that look like? Yeah, so that's me coming in, coming into the uh, shop, pretty much noticing that I have no skills at all compared to any of these guys who I am looking at, tear apart tractors, engines, transmissions. You know, I go to the component shop, they're doing pumps, they're doing motors, they're doing, you know, everything. I mean, it's just, it just blew my mind. So I just, honestly, I thought that I could never do it. I kind of told myself, you know, I would be happy just in the tool room because I would be happy just to work for such a great company. You know, Peterson is really a great company mm. and I would be happy just to be union and I'd happy, I'd be happy just to be a part of Caterpillar because to be honest, just being there working for Peterson, even as someone sweeping the floors or in the tool room, I was proud. I was really proud to come there. I was proud to come there every single day. So at this point, when I entered the tool room, I had no experience at all. I didn't know what a pulley was. I really didn't know what a pulley was. And it's embarrassing to say, but I didn't. You know, I kind of touched on that a little bit. You know, I always did construction and carpentry when I was younger. So as I got in that tool room, I started learning what was going on. I started talking to the technicians, started seeing what they needed. I would do a lot of ordering supplies, getting up braces, taking care of my welders, making sure that they got their lenses, that their batteries they got for their helmets, they got any type of cut stones, anything they needed. Then I would make sure all my mechanics were taken care of, make sure that all the tooling's in working order. I'd make sure all of our all thread is nice and clean and the threads aren't all messed up. I'd make sure our two-way pumps work. I mean, all that type of stuff is stuff, all that stuff, I never knew what a two-way pump was. But I had a foreman jump in the tool room with me and you know thanks to peterson that's why i'm so proud to work for peterson is because everybody that works there is just so badass so i had you know at this time i had a foreman jump in there and say hey this is a two-way pump this two-way pump goes up to 10,000 psi you need to watch out and make sure all your fittings are tight on this two-way pump you need to this 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 oil this sprays out you know it could literally inject you with oil or you could be oil injected if it sprays out and gets into your skin Mm. So you need to be really careful. You need to, this is how you hook up the two-way pump to your cylinder. You have to make sure that, you know, these are nice and tight. You know, don't put a wrench on these, this and that, you know, and I would have a foreman, luckily a foreman or another technician, you know, at this point, all the technicians are starting to become friends and they're more than happy to help me because I'm going out of my way to try to help them and make sure all their tooling's in good working order. Cause mm. before that, there was, there was nobody doing that. So huh. it was starting to become, it was starting to become a trade-off. It was yeah. starting to become a trade-off to, hey man, you know, I'm working hard. You know, I'm getting these presses and these pumps together. You mind showing me how this press works? Oh. You mind showing me, you know, what goes on here? And it was definitely, I was in the tour room for almost, almost two years, maybe about a year and a half, almost two years. And in that little bit of time, you know, not everybody has an opportunity. Not everybody has a tool room. But if anybody does ever have an opportunity just to get your foot in the door, just to sweep the floors, that's the best way to do it. Because that's how you can get in. You can meet people. You can talk to the guys. You can make friends. 
And once you make friends and you show them that you're a hard worker and they, they're going to want you to stick around and they're going to be more than happy that, you know, to make you a mechanic because they know that you're a harder worker than even some of their current mechanics. You know, some of the guys weren't as hard of a worker and they see more potential in you. So there's a lot of, a lot of technicians like that, you know, that would help me out. They would go out of my way. Every single foreman I, you know, in the shop was more than helpful. I would ask them because they know at the end of the day, if I don't have that two-way press, ready to go and I don't have my track press ready to go and a field guy comes and grabs it and they get to the job site, that's like a hundred and sixty something dollars an hour that we're gonna ha- have to figure out something to do because the customer is not gonna want to pay it if the tooling's not working correct. Yeah. And this is the type of stuff that my foreman used to stress on me. He says Everybody thinks the tool room guy is not a not a uh, important position, but the tool room guy is a super important position. So when I got into that tool room, I took it as a super important position. Every time I sent out a foot pump, every time I sent out a track press, I mean, sometimes I have to send stuff to a drop. And the field guy is just counting on me as to be the as the tool room guy to make sure that stuff's in working order. And as a guy who doesn't know anything, you can totally get by by just asking some of your coworkers in the shop. They'll show you how to use it safely. They'll show you how it works. And I mean, it just has, I mean, not every single time I remembered how it worked. I mean, I would always ask a different guy that way. <laughs> that way I never asked the guy, the yeah. same guy, you know, yeah. the, the same question. But yeah, sometimes it took me once or twice. I mean, yeah. two or three times. Not everything in this industry is cut and dry. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's dangerous. Most of it's dangerous. So at this point, you know, in the tool room, I got to the point where guys would just print me out whatever they were doing, an equalizer bar on a DAT, you know, KTZ serial number, something like that. I would pull it up on SIS. I would go on SIS. I would look to see all the part numbers. Half the time, we didn't have every single tool at the part number. Sometimes it's a fabricated tool that we had to make to get the job done. So at this point, I had to learn what type of fabricated tools that we had, what type of rings, what type of plates, what type of washers, you know, stuff like that. And I had to know how to send out safe tools because all the tools go to MSHAW sites, stuff like that. You know, my company can get a big, big, huge fine for sending out something that just wasn't safe. So I always took this really serious. I always took care of all my field guys. You know, I understood, you know, when somebody comes up to the tool room, they're on a customer's dime. They're 160 bucks an hour, you know, and I wanted to give them everything I could give them when they came up to that tool room. That way that they don't have to come, you know, two or three times a day. I would try to set them up for the next two or three days. That way, I mean, I don't I don't mean to sound like this, but that way they could stay in their stall working because that's what the foreman preached. And that's what they taught me to do. And that's how I ran that tool room. There's so much to unpack here. And I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but there's a lot of lessons here. I, a lot of people have reached out to me, younger guys, and I'm sure you're, you're they've reached out to you as well. And saying, you know, I'm just so frustrated because it, it, these these guys that I work with, they won't they won't teach me. And I just tell them, I just put your head down, keep it down, work your ass off, ask questions. It's only a matter of time before they start teaching you. And you're the, again the perfect example of this. You had to put your head down. How do I make their jobs easier? How do I make them the superstar? Before you started asking, you know, okay, hey, can you teach me this? And you had to show them that you're willing to work your ass off before you you ask for anything in return. Is I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, you know what, Aaron, that's exactly right. And yeah. that's honestly, I mean, you really brought up a good point there. That's honestly, when you get to a shop of any caliber, it doesn't matter if there's one, two, three guys, you just shut your mouth, you put your head down, and you act like you don't know shit. Mm. And if you go there acting like you know what's going on there, and you and you say, I've done this before, yeah. and you go ahead and fuck something up, 
and the other guy was trying to teach you, yeah. that'll be the last time. That'll be the last time an old school tractor technician teaches you. And yeah. I'm just telling you, yeah. that's just the way it works. That's yeah. just the way it works. You know, I was really, really lucky enough for my first couple years, you know, to really sit with a group of guys who were the elite, the best at my whole company. They were all field guys and they worked in the rental department. And I mean, they were just bad to the bone, badass, right? And I would just put my head down, I would eat my lunch, and I would just let them talk. And I would just mm. let them keep going. Mm. And I learned, I to be honest, that's why I learned so much, man. Mm. And I mean, that's why I learned. And I would hear them talking, hey, this guy did this like that, and you know, he's not supposed to do that. So when I went back to my stall, or when I went back to do something, you know, I make sure I want to do that. We don't hit pins with hammers, you know. I would hear my foreman say, this guy's hitting the pin with the hammer, you know, that's not the way we do things at Caterpillar. So I would go back to my stall and I would make sure that before that pin moves, I can push it by hand huh. and stuff, and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I really, I mean, I can't stress enough. If you can get next to some veteran guys, some field guys, some foremen, just pick their brain, just sit there. And if you're a young guy and you're, you know, if you can get in there and you can sweep their floors, sweep their floors and take lunch with them, and listen to what they talk about. And if you don't like what they're talking about, then that job's not for you, yeah. you know? And if you don't feel like this job, you know, like these guys are the most elite mechanics out there, and this is not for you. And if you don't have thick skin in this trade, it's starting to change up a little bit, you know? It's, you don't need as thick of skin anymore. But when I first started, you really needed thick skin. There was some really, you know, I mean, this heavy equipment world, it's either, it's either you listen and you follow the directions or you get hurt. Yeah. And if you don't listen, then eventually, if you could do it right now, you could do it the next time or you could do it the time after that. But you're going to get hurt if you're not listening and following the correct safety directions, you know. And uh, this is the type of stuff that they would preach. And, you know, NICs on every single bolt. And, you know, we don't care, obviously not inside an engine, but, you know, anything and you know, I really got to learn a lot about the rental world because I got to I got to work with the rental guys, and they, I mean, they literally take care of 300 pieces of brand new cat equipment, and they do pre deliveries, and I got to sit there and watch them, and you know, install thumbs, and you know, put these machines together from scratch, and they they show up just with the house on it, you know, and some tracks, and sometimes not even the tracks, and just with the house, the house is like the top of a big excavator, and. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, honestly, every single day I was there, I was just like, man, I want to be a mechanic. I want to be a mechanic. And it came to the point to where I was working so hard in the tool room, I just kept on trying to come up with more jobs for myself. At this point, I'm doing five-star. I'm going around the facility. I'm changing out. I mean, I can't, I was doing, I was, in the mornings in the tool room, I would clean my drain tables. I would go wash all our drain pans, clean all, all of our wash bay to keep it five-star, I would change all of our desiccant oil totes, you know, filters on the top of them every six months. I would do oil samples. I would run the kidney loop and the convolts because at our facility, we have thousand gallon convolts and was able to learn a lot about the whole facility and the whole five star. And, you know, we had to kidney loop all of our oil every single day to get it the cleanest we could. And we would, we would literally do samples every month to try to see how clean we can get our oil because we wanted the cleanest before we put it into any brand new tractors. So it was really, that's another thing in the tour room I took on very seriously. You know, I felt like, hey, you know, and I filled up all the oil totes in the whole facility, you know, 50 weight, 60 weight, 80, 90 weight, engine oil. You know, I would do this. I would dump all the big stuff. 
um, all of the waste oil in our big facility. I would dump all those and I would get to the point to where I was looking for more to do. So long story short, I took on all our forklifts in our facility. We were actually paying our competitor to come service our forklifts. And my foreman hate to see our competitor over there fixing our forklifts because we just didn't have a material handling division anymore. We got rid of it a few years back. So he told me he wanted me to start taking care of the forklifts. Long story short, I started doing really good taking care of the forklifts. Easy stuff at this point. You know, it's, hey, you know, this is the oil. Check the oil. Hey, this is where you grease. Grease all these points. Hey, this is the transmission. You know, this needs to be checked while it's running. At this point, Aaron, I didn't know any of this stuff. That's just and, nuts. Um, the story's crazy. You're clearly so proud of, of what you do. And I know a lot of other technicians share your pride. Why is that? Why are you so proud? And you said you were you you were proud even sweeping the floors and taking pride in, in even just being there. Why? I mean, why do you feel such a sense of pride in what you do? I mean, to be honest, once I got a taste of it and once I did it, you know, I started seeing guys fall off like flies and I realized you know, this isn't for everybody. A lot yeah. of people, this is very hard work for them. Yeah. And I honestly got a kick out of being able to, to get out there and, and put, put in some hard work and do stuff that other people can't. Other men can't. Yeah. Most other men can't get out there, you know, and do this and work on a heavy equipment tractor. There's so much to it. You're on your knees. You're torching. You're hot. You have to, I mean, Let's get into a little bit later how much stuff you have to know to be a heavy equipment uh, technician. But yeah, you're, I mean, you have to do so much stuff. I mean, just washing a tractor that came from the dump. I mean, literally, you have guys quit because they don't want to wash a tractor that came from the dump. And I loved it. I said, give me that dump tractor. I'll drop those belly pans. Rats will, rats will run out. And I'll, I'll clean that whole bad boy because you know what, Aaron? That's what I knew I could do. Dude. Yeah. That's what I knew I could do. I'm like, man, yeah. I can't pull that engine out at this point. I couldn't pull the engine out. But I said, you know what? I could wash the shit out of that tractor. And guess what? When my tractor... When my tractor showed up in the shop, it was the cleanest huh. and it was the fastest, the most efficient because I fucking, I didn't care. I was just soaked at the end of the tractor <laughs> because I just wanted to get after it, you know, and there's, yeah. you know, I, I learned a lot. I mean, you could literally learn a lot just from washing tractors. I mean, the first thing is you don't want to wash away all your problems before you wash the tractor. You want to inspect the tractor, right? Mm. But, um, but yeah, I learned a lot. So, so I was in the tool room. I was doing all those duties that I was talking about. Then I would hit about lunchtime. I would be able to do all that stuff. I would do ordering. I would cut POs. I would literally stock everything in the form that we needed. And I mean, you, your mind would be blown just by all the stuff that we needed. I mean, it's crazy. Just how much stuff and supplies it takes to keep a Caterpillar facility going. It, it's really nuts. But um, everything from liquid nitrogen to gas and all this different type of stuff that I had to make sure I got, I made sure the waste oils got picked up because if you have a full thousand gallon container of waste oil and you have another 500 gallons of pump in there, it starts to become a really big problem. And I've learned all this stuff really quick because every mistake I made, my foreman at that time was, was really hard on me and it was, it was nothing but tough love. But, you know, like, you know, there's a couple of times where I left the kidney loop going and I went home and I forgot about the kidney loop. And when I came back the next day, I mean, let me tell you, it was like World War One yeah. because he was so pissed off that I forgot one thing. And, and I was at this point, I'm like, dude, you know how many things I do a day? And at that time I learned 
I can't make one mistake. And it's just like this trade. You can't make one mistake. You can't forget one plug and one hose. I mean, it's, I mean, it'll mess up the whole tractor. And so long story short, I took pride in everything from filling the oil toast to, you know, running that facility. And I still do to this day. I take a lot of pride in my Peterson shop. I want my Peterson shop to really look nice. You know, I want it to look good when customers come in. I want them to be surprised. At this point, you know, I had the ability to go around and fix anything I wanted, to clean up anything I wanted, to paint anything I wanted to, you know. At this point, I'm painting track presses, you know. I'm, you know, I'm steaming them out and I'm bringing them to my painter. He shoots yellow all day. We shot it yellow, threw a Peterson sticker on it, you know, and it really makes a big difference in the appearance when people walk by. And I think when you pull that out of your service truck and you've got a brand new shining yellow uh, track press with a with a nice shiny Peterson uh, cat logo on it and the pump's all nice and clean. It doesn't have a bunch of oil dripping all over it. And you know that that pump hit 10,000 PSI before he even takes it off the truck. Then I think it, it makes us the best of the best. And I feel like even at that point in the tool room that I was still helping everybody, all these badass technicians still be the best of the best. They might not have thought about it like that, but that's how I thought about it. And that's how my foreman thought about it. And that's how he taught me how to think about that job. I really want to get into, I guess, I, one of the lessons from what you just said, too, is you can learn something from every single job. I mean, they're even sweeping the floor, washing the trash machine. There's there's lessons in everything. It's It's not that, you know, you, you just have such a positive outlook on washing the trash dozer. Because you can learn something well, I'm from telling, it. Man, I'm telling you, you could definitely learn something from sweeping the floor. Either you're going to go fine bristle or you're going to go a hard bristle. And the <laughs> fine bristle definitely, it's going to work a lot better. I'm telling you, it's going to get the dirt out of all those potholes that we got, you know. Because working in a shop where, you know, tracks are going all day long on the floor, it starts to become a rough environment. You know, the ground starts to become a rough environment. Yeah. We're going to have to stop at some point. I wish we could just talk forever, but I, I, I don't want to end this conversation without talking about Caterpillar wrenching. So can you explain okay. why you started that and, and what it's become and, and what it is? Definitely. So Caterpillar wrenching. So after a couple of years in, long story short, now I became a mechanic. Now I'm working on the heavy equipment and I'm really getting a good taste of it. And now I'm looking at all the other technicians like, how in the fuck do you guys do this? Right. I'm like, man, how do you stay hunched over? for 12 hours a day working on a transmission, ripping out a transmission. I'm like, how do you do it? So little by little, you know, I got a taste of it and I started figuring out, hey, I could do this. I can do the same thing. And at that point, I was thinking, man, you know, these guys who work here at the same facility that I work at, you know, these guys that I work around, they are literally the best of the best. And it bothered me because, they would tell me about going home and seeing their families and their little teenager kid giving them problems and stuff like that. And I'm like, their family, most likely their wife does, but the kids, you know, and the, you know, other family members, they don't know what this guy right here, my coworker, the, you know, one of the most badass motherfuckers that I know, they don't even know what he does. His little teenagers over there cussing them out. And, you know, he doesn't realize his dad's been hunched over a, a transmission for 12 hours doing some of the most craziest stuff, you know, and he wouldn't even believe it. And I yeah. said, you know, it's about time. It's about time we start to show the world what Caterpillar technicians do. Mm. And at this point, now I want to show off my work. I want to show off all my coworkers' work. 
I want to show people, all my friends who are plumbers and electricians, and they go there and they make 60 bucks an hour, you know, and I'm like, dude, let me show you what we do at my job. And I was just so proud of it, you know, and then it just, I, I had the intent of doing it, you know, just so, uh, you know, family members could see, hus- I mean, wives, children, and, and, you know, grandparents and fathers and mothers can see what their kid is doing, you know, or what their dad is doing or whoever they, they are to them and really shed a light on them. And then, and then it just kind of took off. And I realized that everybody else in the world thought that this stuff is as badass as I thought it was. Yeah. And, then at that point, you know, with 5,000 followers, I was like, whoa, dude, this is awesome. I'm like, I am reaching other cat technicians. Me and them are talking. Now, at this point, you know, they're sending me pictures of what they're doing at 5,000 followers. And I see, you know, I have a little twinkle in my eye and I see an opportunity to really show the world what Caterpillar Wrenching is all about. Yeah. So then I started accepting other guys' photos. And I would get their story and I would say, hey, you know, how long have you worked for Caterpillar and this and that? And, you know, I'm going to be honest, a lot of my followers are a a lot more experienced than I am. I mean, I got so many followers that are so experienced. I mean, it's awesome, to be honest. I feel blessed for them just to even follow a little punk-ass kid like me's Instagram. (laughs) But as my foreman, you know, as my shop guys would say. And I just thought it was amazing. And I started showing pictures and they started getting thousand likes and 800 likes and and i started talking to my co-workers i'm like i say hey tell your son to go check this picture out man tell me his dad got a thousand likes you know and then he would go back and i would see my co-worker like literally come back the next day and be like be like excited more excited than he was the day before that because he went home and he, and he talked to his kid about the page and his job and this and that and and i would see it and i started seeing that i was making a difference around the shop just like, you know, guys around the shop were able to show their family that a thousand other people in the world like what they do and they actually hit the like button. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is what dad goes to work and does every day. You know, this is what he's been paying the bills ever since you've been a little kid. This is what your dad's been doing. But a lot of people, they don't have that ability to see. And I feel like with Caterpillar Wrenching, I kind of gave a lot of family members the ability to see what their family member is actually doing at work. Because for most of us as a kid growing up, I just, you know, I just thought that my family friend, he just went to work and he worked for Caterpillar. I had no idea the level of, you know, the knowledge and experience and, you know, how badass he was. Because, I mean, the way this industry works is it's a very small industry. There's not too many people in it. And I feel with Caterpillar Wrenching, I've really opened up the industry where it's not so small anymore, which scares some people, but I think it's got more benefits than non-benefits and being able to show the world and show these kids. And now I got kids, I got, you know, my coworkers, kids reaching out to me and they're like, Hey man, you know, these pictures are awesome. And one of my favorite things to do is just, you know, I got a, a, a young teenager guy, you know, one of my coworkers and he's badass, man, my coworker. And he's an, he's an old dog, you know, he's been doing this shit for years and he's just one of those hardworking guys. He comes to work every day. He just fixes tractors and sends them out the door. I felt like he never got any credit. So, you know, I reached out to his son. I knew his son kind of followed me. I said, Hey dude. And I took some pictures of his dad at work. I said, dude, check out your dad, man. I said, he is badass. At this point, I got like 50,000 followers and the kid, you know, he's interested now. I got so many followers. 
that now, you know, now we're catching the young kids' interest. So, I mean, that's honestly, I, I, I got so many big plans with Caterpillar Ranching. Like now it's to the point to where I've made stickers. So now they not only they can share pictures with their family, but now they can share stickers of their service truck with their family, you know, and their wife can have a, a picture of their hus- her husband's service truck on her computer and she can go to work and, you know, people can ask her and, and she could be proud of it. Because believe it or not, the Caterpillar Ranching wives are just as proud as the husband. Absolutely. Most of these wives know that their husbands are badass. I mean, it's more the kids and, you know, other family members that don't know that. But these wives, they've been hearing about it for years. They have to hear it every day when their husband comes home. And that's another thing, too, is my wife, you know, she's always she's always tired of hearing me talk about Caterpillar wrenching or, you know, <laughs> talk about tractors. So I said, you know, I need to start talking to other people about these tractors because I could go on, on all day long. I mean, you hear yeah. me. I, I could yeah. go on all day long talking about tractors. Yeah. But, yeah, she, she doesn't want to hear too much about it, but she knows what's going on. She knows that. I show her pictures and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's just really bringing more of a community type feel. You know, I'm trying to bring stickers and, and a cool T-shirt. And I want to do a lot more T-shirts and hats. And, you know, I want to do specific ones, you know, for excavator, a guy with a field truck on an excavator, you know, because not everybody works on excavators and a guy with a paving machine and stuff like that. In the future, I want to give everybody something that they can be proud, you know, go into the car show. I mean, when you go to the car show, everybody shows up with a, you know, a Chevy shirt or something. Yep. But when you show up with that Caterpillar wrenching dozer shirt, you're one of a kind, just like we are. We're one of a kind. We're, you know, tractor mechanics like us, you don't find us anywhere, to be honest. There's so many things you have to make us because there's so many things you have to know. You have to know how to line up holes. You have to know nuts and bolts. You have to know how to weld. You have to know how to torch. You have to know how to just be a cowboy and get up in that tractor and, and, and make them make some shit happen and not be scared to pull some levers and, you know, still make sure you're doing everything safely. But there's just so many different parts about this job that you just have to know. And, you know, like that, like I said, that tool room, tool room really taught me a lot. It really taught me, you know, I mean, the main thing is it taught me tooling. It taught me how to use all the tooling properly. And, you know, when I go to go after a DAT equalizer bar, I know what to do. And anybody has an opportunity to get in a tool room or to sweep a floor, that's where I would start. And honestly, I never did think big. I didn't have the ability to do to do think big. I had a family and I had a ranch already and I couldn't do three months on and three months off at that time. So I got into the step program and that's worked out good for me. And we do classes, you know, we do three to four classes a year. I can get as much online training as I want. And uh, really the big one for me is just hands-on training. And I got such a great, you know, great bunch in my whole facility right now. Everybody from my component shop foreman to, I got two foreman to my rental foreman to, you know, the BCP foreman. I mean, everybody does a great job of working together and any questions I have any with anybody, everybody's always willing to help. And, you know, that's just, that's just where I got it from, you know, and it's, it's Peterson cat and it's a family. And that's the way that I felt since I got in there. And that's the way I treat everything big guy and every new guy. And my favorite thing to do is to put a brand new think big guy into a tractor, you know, and have them run it, you know, they're the scaredest ever, but you know, it's really, you, you just got to get that out of the young kids, you know, you just got to get them to not be scared to get in that tractor because, I mean, they're just intimidating. They're big and they're intimidating. And if you take the time to teach these guys how to work these levers and stuff like that, and if they're hungry, they're going to be the best of the best. That is what it is. And, you know, not everybody's book smart. And I think book smart guys 
do good. And I think book, book smart guys not do good at all. They don't like washing machines. They don't yeah. like washing trash machines. But, you know, I love all the book smart guys that we got at Peterson. And I love all the hardworking guys that we got at Peterson. It's just two different, you know, two different ways to go about it. And uh, we definitely have them both. And this whole industry is going to have them both. And some guys are just a little bit different. They don't like certain things. And you'll get to learn that. But, you know, working on the tractor side and earth moving, you don't really have a chance to say no to much. I mean, I've worked on everything from a poo turner, you know, that turns poo and waste treatment plants and stuff like that. I mean, nobody wanted to work on it. I said, give me a face shield and, and some rain gear, and I'll go out there and wash that bad boy <laughs> for, for overtime. I mean, nobody wants overtime. I'll wash the poo turner. And you just touched on it. I mean, we're going to have to, you know, for, for the sake of time, we're, we're going to have to wrap up soon because I think my girlfriend's going to be home and, and she'll be she'll be <laughs> looking to cook dinner here. But I want to, you know, if, if some kids listening to this, they want to do what you do, Quentin. They want to be, they want to do caterpillar wrenching. They want to be even, even not just caterpillar wrenching, just, just a technician in general. What's the advice? And I think you've already, you've already given it, you know, just get to be around it, find a place, find a position that, that gives you the opportunity just to be around it? I mean, what would you do if you were just starting out again, knowing what you know now? Yeah, you know what, Aaron, and unfortunately, and I'm going to let everybody know, think big is hard to get into. Yes. And if I think if I had to go into that route, I get guys who message me all the time and say, they didn't get into think big, they didn't get into think big. And, and you know, I would tell all the guys, say, dude, don't just look for think big job openings. Look for that utility person job opening, you know, like like you kind of just said. And, you know, get in there and sweep that floor and, and work hard and meet people and show them what you're all about. And show, I mean, if you get in there and you start sweeping and, you know, you can't sweep faster than the 60-year-old guy who's in the tool room right now, then maybe it's not for you. But if you can get in there and you can show everybody that you can push a broom and I'm telling you, if you push a broom right, you'll be tired at the end of the day. Yes. You don't just go and lollygag pushing a broom. I mean, yeah. you're trying to get stalls done in a certain, in, you know, in a timely manner. So if you want to get into this trade, get in there, work hard, push that broom, push it hard, and small little pushes. Don't do no crazy big pushes. Small little pushes to a soft bristle broom save you a lot of time, and everybody will notice your hard work. I've had people. I swear to God, at Peterson, it's a manager who still works there. When I first started in the tool room and I was, I would run out and sweep stalls when guys would leave their stalls with a tractor. When I was working in the tool room, he came up to me as I was sweeping a stall and he says, the way you work around here, it doesn't matter what it is, sweeping a broom, pushing a broom, or doing anything. It's the hardest you've got. And I know it is. And I can always tell. Mm. And you know what? That, that always stuck with me. And I know that guy noticed. And it, and it didn't take much for him to come up and tell me that. So if you are in management and you're listening, do your guys a favor and just go out of the way and say, thank you very much for your hard work. And if you know they are working hard and you know they're putting in the extra hours and, and dealing with customers sometimes is difficult because customers are losing money when we end up meeting them and they're normally not too happy. And, you know, just do the best you can and just make it work. That's where I'm pretty much going with that. Where can they find you, Quentin? Where can they buy these stickers? Where can they follow along? Where can they see these stories? What's what's the best place to find you? Well, Caterpillar Ranch is the best place to find me. Um, I just started a new website. You can find the link in my bio on Caterpillar Ranching on the website. I also have another page called Heavy Ranching. I haven't really took off with it yet, but it's going to be for my other technicians out there 
Kamatsu, John Deere, Hitachi, any other technicians, you know, I know I shed a big light on the Caterpillar, but I do want to shed a big light onto the whole industry, not just Caterpillar. So coming soon, make sure you're following heavy wrenching coming soon. I'm really going to start putting some extra time into that too and seeing what I can do, you know, to show everybody in the industry some love, not just my Caterpillar guys, but I'd like to show everybody some love who works on heavy equipment because we're all the same. If you work on heavy equipment, Caterpillar, Kamatsu, you know, whatever it is, all of us are badass. This shit is hella hard to work on. Tractors are not easy to take apart. Pins don't move easy. It doesn't matter what you're working on. All of us are badass. And I just want to make sure everybody knows that, you know, I'm, I'm, I hate just to always promote Caterpillar. That's what I know. That's where I come from. But in the future, just know I will promote everybody else. I'm going to get you guys your own page, and we're going to make that page just as badass. Love it. I appreciate your, your enthusiasm. Your, you're just so damn proud of what you do. It's, it's, it's infectious. And, and, and you're always like this, too. I mean, at least every time I've talked to you, every time I've, I've been around you, you just live for what you do. You live for Caterpillar wrenching. I mean, and I, I, I've told you this, too. It's, I think you're doing more for inspiring the next generation of technicians than anyone else out there. I mean, what you've done is, is absurd and you haven't, it's just been a lot of time invested. I mean, you haven't, you didn't need a million dollars to create this amazing movement. You've really just done it on your own. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I have to really thank my wife. She's actually put up with me spending an hour (laughs) here, an hour there on stuff. You know, I got little kids Yeah. And, uh, you know, she, she does me big favors. And just like right now, she's watching the kids. I just got home from work and I told her, you know, I have to go do an interview right now. She said, what? And then I said, come on, babe, you know, it's a caterpillar range. She said, okay, <laughs> babe. You know, she, she understands. So, you know, she's totally cool. You know, if it wasn't for her, then caterpillar wrenching wouldn't even be a thing. I would have had to stop a long time ago. So I understand, you know, there's a lot of wives out there who aren't going to want their husbands to spend too much time on the phone. And hey, that's totally understandable. Send me one picture a week. I'm totally good with that. I'll be happy to post that one picture. Hopefully your family can see it and um, they can, you know, see all the likes that you get and see what you're doing at work. Hopefully they can appreciate it. Do you want to touch on, I know you brought this up before we started going. Do you, do you just real, real briefly, you know, do you want to touch on what you've, you know, m- more recently learned about family and, you know, beyond Caterpillar Wrench and beyond being a technician? I mean, you, you had a pretty pretty crazy yeah. lesson about yeah. family, and what do you want to tell people about that? Yeah, and this is the last thing. I'm I'm sorry, you guys, and you know, you guys probably definitely stop listening by now. But if you are still listening, yeah, all three um, listeners. One thing I do, <laughs> yeah. if there's one thing I do really want to promote, it's family. And you know, this caterpillar wrenching. I'm very proud to work for Caterpillar. You know, I love working on tractors. I'm excited to go to work every day. It's a huge part of my life. But honestly, family is more important. I've really gotten a big wake-up call here. I'm 29 years old myself. My wife's 31. Unfortunately, recently, we found out that she was diagnosed with stage 1 cancer, breast cancer. So I did have to take some time off of work. Recently, I took three months off of work. And uh, she had a couple biopsies. She had surgery. And then she did radiation. Just so you guys know, she's nice and healthy. She's back to new. I mean, she's got a great attitude. She's such a trooper. She's so strong. She makes she makes me strong, you know. She's doing really good now, but just make sure you put your family first. I mean, if your wife says that she feels a bump somewhere, make sure she goes get it checked out. If you feel a bump somewhere, make sure you go get it checked out. 
you're not going to be caterpillar wrenching. You're not going to be doing construction. You're not going to be doing anything if your body's not healthy. Make sure your body's healthy. Wear a respirator. Don't breathe in rust. You know, small stuff like that. Do the extra for your family. That way you can stay longer with them on earth because a lot of young guys I see, they don't like to put a respirator on. They don't like, you know, to do stuff like that. I tell everybody, put that shit on because right now you're not going to fucking want it. But when you get older and you have little kids, you're going to want to be able to live long with them. Yeah. So safety's big for me. Family's big for me. Whatever you're doing, make sure it's healthy. Don't go out there. You know, I, I'm not the one to preach, but, you know, try to eat healthy for your family. Take an apple instead of stopping at the fast food place because this, this trade is hard enough on your body. You want to at least be able to give yourself a chance after you retire to live with your wife and your family and enjoy that time of retirement because you worked so fucking hard. Yeah. So please, everybody, make sure you take care of your body. Think twice about anything on your body. You know, make sure you go to the doctor, get everything checked out. I mean, there's all types of stuff that people are saying that's wrong with them all the time and nobody ever wants to get it checked out. It's kind of scary going to get it checked out. But hey, look at us. We found it. We caught it. My wife caught it. And now she's doing better than ever. It could have gotten a lot worse, the doctor said, but we caught it in time. She's had it for a few years. It was a lump. The doctor said it was benign. Later on, we go to get it checked out again, you know, and then we find out it turned into cancerous cells. So just want to let everybody know if you know somebody who's got something like this, if you know somebody who's not feeling good, not feeling right, tell them. Tell them to go to the doctors and make them go to the doctors. Like my wife does schedule me an appointment. Yeah. All right. And that's just my last, my last thing I wanted to touch on. Once again, she's doing great. You know, thanks for everybody's support. You know, I kind of came up with the stickers and the t-shirt to kind of help offset some of the costs at that time. So I really appreciate anybody who's helped support Caterpillar Ranching, buying t-shirts, stickers, anything like that. It definitely went to a good cause. Uh, I had to take three months off of work. And uh, I did fortunately get paid for six weeks of those, but the rest of that I didn't. And I can care less. Obviously, family's more important. I did try to come up with the stickers and the t-shirts and stuff to try to help out a little bit. So anybody, you know, anybody who has helped out with Caterpillar Wrenching or whoever does buy in the future, just know it is going to a good cause. Me and my family really appreciate you guys supporting us. Well, this was, this was, this was really awesome. I, I appreciate your candor. You are who you are. I mean, you, you don't really hold anything back. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of tell your story and hopefully it'll, it'll inspire some people. Awesome. You know what, Aaron, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. I, I appreciate you, you know, contacting me and I hope together we can inspire people. I'm sure we have already. Lots of people have reached out to me, but I hope this conversation can help inspire some people kind of what we've touched on you don't really need to know anything to become a caterpillar technician you know obviously if you want to apply for a technician you're going to have to know how to become a technician but if you if you're willing to apply for a lower spot you know i mean utility person there's lots of jobs you could do as a utility person they have a yard guy as a utility person they have tool room guys as a utility person they have a shop cleanup guy as a utility person i mean um, they have bucket guys who you know go around scanning buckets all day as a utility person just do anything, get into any job you can at the dealership and you will have the best chances to becoming a technician if that's what you're trying to do. Love it. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much again, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yep.
See you, everybody. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. I, I I appreciate you all listening. If you enjoyed this one, please share it. Please share it. You're the reason why we're doing this. You're the reason why this grows and and can can be successful. So if you enjoyed it, share it with somebody, and and we'll be back with another one pretty soon here.